Hi, it is uh, week two of, uh, or episode two of uh, the the newly branded After Service podcast at Open Door Community Church. Um, I'm worship leader Joe Brookhouse, and uh, as always, these two, I've got, introduce yourself if you don't mind. I'm Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian Ricketts. And uh, so uh, just very quickly, since this is only episode two, uh, this um the intention of, of this podcast is just to spend a little more time uh, with the, the word from Sunday. Uh, if you haven't seen that yet, it'll be shared uh, in the, in the comments down below mm-hmm. when, when this is broadcast yep. and, um, and maybe to just to spend a little time in areas where, ah, gosh, I, I wish we would have said that, or maybe said it a little differently. And uh, as Jesse, our producer said um, to talk about ourselves a little bit too. Because <laughs> yeah. um, she's really in charge, as much as anything, I think. So, um, so one thing—the first thing I want to throw out there—and I, I planned this. I want to just tell you right now. How about them Steelers? Why are you doing that to me? <laughs> I, you know, the the boy, my boys are really into into sports right now yeah um and they they pointed out about three weeks ago hey Steelers haven't lost brian you know because i'm a diehard Steelers fan i have been since i was four years old when i got the Steelers jacket you know good or bad doesn't matter i'm a Steelers fan yeah and i was like yeah this is great and then since i've become aware i'm like well maybe i need to start paying more attention they lost three in a row And yeah. and I'm laughing because I know that you're a Steelers fan, and I can do that because when uh, similar to you, you got a jacket right when I was five. It was the first season the Seahawks were in the NFL, and I didn't pay attention to football up to that point. I was five, but uh, I got a Seattle Seahawks little mini football, and that they were my team. That was just Seahawks. And what that meant is that I had many years, many years, uh, where there was nothing awesome. And uh, I do remember, I think it was 78. um, McDonald's had this thing where each week they would come out with a new full-color photo pamphlet or booklet for Mm -hmm. if you bought a Big Mac. And it would walk, it was the history of all the Super Bowls. So each week, you know, you got the new Super Bowl, right? Well, the Steelers mm-hmm. were in there. Uh, oh, yeah. But I did not yeah. understand why the Seahawks were not in there. Well, I didn't have Because they're no good. Because <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't even know how they're doing this year. I think they're doing reasonably well. Uh, but I think so. I, You know, it's hard to follow it when you're kind of busy every Sunday morning. So It is, yeah. And at some point, my dad had told me, he's just like, why do you still pay attention to this? They fail you every year. He goes, I already gave <laughs> up on them. I'm like, and that was about the time I went, I do have better ways to spend my time. <laughs> By the way, I like your tree back there. You have a nice backdrop. Did you set that up intentionally? Uh, Jesse did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anybody here who's helping me with that stuff. I I have that thing. Um <laughs> She goes, it would look really nice in front of the tree. Like, okay. It does. We'll do it, it in front of the tree. It does look really nice in There's front of the nobody tree. nobody else home right now, so it's just us. Oh, where'd yeah. they go? The, the boys are over with their na- with their grandparents, and Kathy's at work. And 
Jesse's hanging out with Derek. All right. Well, fair enough. So for those of you who don't know, uh, that's uh, your family kind of in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. here, Vanessa, my wife is upstairs and she is, uh, she's got a counseling session going on. And uh, Sam is uh, playing with some a Ninjago set of Legos. All right. So that's, Ninjago. that's cool. what's going on. And uh, by the way, um, just things, um, I was just, life of the church. It's kind of some stuff that's been going on lately. First of all, we're in an Advent uh, kind of series for church. And the theme this week is love. And you're going to give us our elevator speech on that here in a moment. Uh, but uh, we did a, uh, a little Christmas sing-along. My that family. was so good. Did you like it? <clears throat> a lot. All right. A lot. It, it so. was, we had fun. We were just very aware that, oh, yeah, we're not doing this song very well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. What I enjoyed, I love just having you, hearing you. Honestly, we didn't sing along very much. But, but hearing you guys having fun was a blast. Good. That was a blast. This is like... We, we need to see if people are still, you know, in, in so much as she oh, could they communicate were. that. <laughs> I, think, I think next year, because you said you were wanting to do it next year, I think you're going to get even more. Yeah, it was really fun. Good. Well, so. thanks for the feedback. And if people are interested, it's out there on the Open Door Facebook page. It's about an hour long. And, um, mm -hmm. and I did put together, after the fact, a little songbook that has the lyrics and the chords so uh, for those things. So if people are want to play along, <laughs> sing along, uh, just you can DM me on Facebook or just contact Jesse if her email's working. And, um, and, and that uh, we'd be happy to share that with you. Uh, I guess what's going on? we ever figured out what's going on with Jesse's email? No? Okay. Well, people... She, I, think it's, I think it's at Yahoo. Okay. People have been trying to get a hold of Jesse. I guess she hasn't been getting her emails and just became yeah. aware of it. And uh, yeah. we apologize for that. Um, let me see. Uh, tomorrow, which is today, t in terms of when this goes out. Um, well, I'm trying to think. No. Uh, Christmas Eve tomorrow. Chris is that? Yeah, Christmas mm -hmm. Eve is tomorrow. And so we'll share that service. Um, uh, I think is that at 7 o'clock that that's going going on? I believe so. Okay. So check that out. And uh, I'm doing a very ineloquent job of describing these things. So uh, I'm just going <laughs> to pass this over to you just to, to kind of walk us through. We rescue uh, you. Yes, please do that. Would you get on with it? I'm tired of talking. <laughs> All right. Uh, elevator speech. Cause of Christmas is love. And walk through John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Um, <clears throat> talked about that, that God loves, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the verb in that sentence, what does the action is, uh, is love. And the object, what is loved is the world. And in the, in the gospel of John, that does not necessarily mean every individual that you, we can, we can make the case that God loves everybody. That's fine, but not necessarily out of that verse, that verse in the context of the Gospel of John says that God loves the people who aren't lovable, who, who, are, who are sinners, who hate him. John 7, 7 talks about how the world hates him. That's how John uses it. So God hate, loves us when we um, hate him, when we do things that are, are, are not okay. And um, 
and so he loves the uh, he loves us then and then he but he but the the magnitude we think of that word so as in like so much right <clears throat> but but the the greek word really and you can get so, with this with so or j- like just so it's it means in the manner of so god loved the world in this manner he gave his son uh, the, the the significance how we know how much god loves us is is the is how costly that he gave. He gave his one and only son, his most precious son. That's what mean that that's where the value of your love of, of the love. He so loved us so much that he gave his son. So you are deeply, deeply loved. And um, so that you would have hope that you would have not, not, not death, but you would have eternal life, which is what we've talked about with, with hope and with peace and with joy. It's the Romans seven, uh, I mean, revelation 21, four, yeah. no morning, no, you know, and then peace with God. So all this amazing good stuff because God loved you. And that's what caused Christmas. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came for to die. I, that, one of my favorite parts of that is just the idea of so meaning in this way. Um, mm. I think that the way that you know we get used to reading at a very surface level sometimes or understanding things at a surface level, and we're really dependent upon, forgive the term, the whims of the translator. Uh, how carefully or yeah. precisely are they going to translate that? And... Um, sometimes you just need a little exposure to the root uh, of yeah. that. Well, part of the, honestly, the reason why the translators do it, they know exactly what they're doing. The problem is, is actually at the publisher level. Few publishers will be okay with changing such an iconic verse. Yeah. They okay. know it means in this manner. And so is is an acceptable word for that, but you just don't change John's three, John three sixteen. It needs to say, "For God so loved the world." I remember the first time that I read um, a non King James version of the twenty third Psalm, and I went, "That's not right," right? Because I was so used to it being a certain way. It's got to be a certain way. Yeah, uh, and that yep. really threw me off. Uh, however, now I really enjoy exploring different translations that do provide some more context perhaps and go, I yeah. wonder why they chose that way versus that way. So, but uh, that's actually, it's an interesting insight that, that the publishers are, uh, it's a publisher that there's issue. something in yeah. there that, you know, that gets into that. But it is good to, I mean, we could, we could dive into that whole translation issue. There's some translations are better than others. I, you know, I, I'm speaking as someone who, who's, looking at the original language that's what i base my my preaching on not 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 translations at all but do i look at them well yes and it's because because each of the translations have a different angle on the same word because 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 when you're translating one language to another language in this case greek to english there's rarely an exact one-for-one translation. So anybody who knows any other language knows that there's there's variations, there's subtleties to words. And so the different translations will help you get a sense of of the kind of the, the, the original in stereo. So it's good to listen to the different versions. And this one, this is originally Greek, right, in this case? 
in this case. And and there's what three or four different Greek words for love. Yes. Which one was used in this case, and what's the connotation in that? Um, the connotation for that one, I I have to go back and look at my notes. Quite honestly, <laughs> um, you kind of caught me on. Oh, that one. sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, the connotation from what I from if I'm remembering my notes right is that it's 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 uh it's, it's brotherly love oh filial it's not it, yeah it's 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 philo or it's or it's agape but it's not it's not um it's not, it's not the, it's not eros okay so. i'm always curious because when i when i learned that i'm like yeah that that's so helpful to know there are different um different ways to present the word love because we we ha we have one and you have to imply uh what which version of that, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about. And um, so as I was rethinking, I'm kind of coming back into this uh, about the idea of love is there's so many things that we do as humans, as, as, as messy people, where we try to project our experience onto what we think God might, how God might be, presenting yes. things. And so, um, when I think of words like love, I think of, um, it's agape. <laughs> it's agape. Okay. Yeah. I knew I you just were looked it up. It like, up. Oh! I saw you holding the phone. I'm like, he's looking I'm it like, up. like, yeah, pulled up my little Bible app. Okay. It's agape. It's agape. Okay. Uh, but things like good, God is good. Well, we think of good. I think, you know, when Jesus said, you know, why do you call me good? You know, only my father is good. Right. It's like, he's like, wait, you're using your human experience to describe good, but you don't really understand what good is. And I feel like that's very similar to what we're talking about here with love is that you may think you understand love. And we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. You may think you understand the unconditional aspect of love, but you haven't got really there and you won't in terms of how much God loves us. Yeah. And you, I've been thinking about that comment you made after Sunday, after the service. And I really, that's one of, one of the two things I really wanted to bring up is your, your point was on Sunday was that, that we get a sense of what an unconditional love is, especially as like a parent to a child. Yeah. And what I wanted to say was, is we're supposed to, that, that, that God created the, the, the parent-child relationship to give us a sense of how he relates to us. We need to realize that, remember, that the family, marriage, all of that stuff is a creation of God. He made all that stuff. He, he set that dynamics in play. We could have a, a, a dynamic like, I don't know, the Black Widow spider, right? Right, I mean, right. We could, but we don't. We have this kind of dynamics, and that's on that's on purpose. And we, when he d set all that stuff up, he was going, "Okay, I know how I'm going to relate to them. Let me set something up so that you have a sense of what I'm talking about." So, and and so he he specifically uses the language, "He is our father; we are his children," so that we so that we can look at how we relate to our kids, and our kids relate to us. Go. Oh, that's at least close. Right. I, I suppose that also gives us a, a taste of um, how painful that love can be when 
your oh, yeah. children misbehave, when your children wander, walk away from you. Um, those daydreams that we have as parents, those terrible <laughs> nightmare daydreams that we have about what if, you know, what if Jack wandered into the street, you know, right. the, those, the, all those things that we do when we're trying to understand how painful that can be, um, that there's a cost maybe that yeah. comes with loving some, somebody so dearly and it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. And how I, deep, if how, if, if our pain, cause it, there's, it's hard to imagine the level of pain it would feel if you lost your child. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we know some people who, who lost their, 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 their son at, I think he was six, you know, and this happens all the time, but it's like that level of pain. Ooh, it's bad enough when they lose your child and they're, you know, in their forties and you're in your sixties. Right. But, Oh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I try not to dwell on that stuff. Um, I, I remember and this, this seems, this is going to seem very slight. That's why I apologize in advance, but Sam had to go um, to the dentist and they had to, they were going to, for whatever, whatever the procedure was, they needed to use, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, where they put you uh, to sleep, whatever that is. You'd think I'd understand the English language. But anyway, the, and I knew that there was, there's always some chance that if they do it wrong, that they won't wake up. And it's a minuscule. But in my mind, I'm like, there's a risk. And I got more and more concerned as we got closer because I started to imagine, what, how am I going to deal with this if he doesn't wake up, you know? Mm. it's uh it you know it's that dwelling on that stuff it's not necessarily healthy but i think we somehow it's like anticip i think they call it anticipatory grief is the mm. actual term for that um but my point i guess take, pu pulling that back full circle is that when when you love so intensely then there's more on the line and yeah uh and and i think that says so much about for all these things that God has done for us, the degree to which he loves us, boy, the degree to which this must pain him when, when we're misbehaving, when we've fallen away, it's hard, yeah. it's hard to think about that. Um, but you mentioned there was another thing that you wanted to share, uh, related to Sunday. And I'm curious what that was. <clears throat> there's, there's a whole nother kind of another point that that's worth talking about. And I've made it before in a different sermon, actually, when I talked about Psalm 23 and it has to do with how it negatively affects your relationship when you can't assume the, the best in another person. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I don't and, know. And, I don't know. And the implication with this sermon is, is if you're not sure God loves you, that changes how you see him, how you think he's interacting with you. You assume certain negative yeah. things. And on and, and the reverse, of course, if you if you're absolutely sure he loves you, that he's, his intention for you is hundred percent good every single time, well, that changes how you view what's happening in your life. Yeah. So well, yeah, and I can, and obviously we're laughing a little bit because we have, we've had some personal dynamic uh, lately. By the way, that crackling noise in the background is Sam going for the chocolate that is hidden in the bowl oh, over there. So I didn't hear it. Oh, well, good. Well, if you didn't, that's him going for the chocolate. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so our our personal relationship has had a dynamic where 
we had a tension that we've never experienced before in, I don't know, 14 years of friendship or however long we've known each other. Um, but, uh, but a different example, I had a job at one point where um, it felt to me like I was not trusted, um, that they, I tend to live up to expectations. That's kind of how I function. If people expect that I'm going to be the best that they know of, then I'm going to try to aim for that. Then if, um, I try to fill that role, right. And if you're the, the screw up, then I'll slot right into that role. I adapt. And in this particular job, um, it felt like I couldn't get anything right and they expected me to screw up. And so I just, it, every time I'd send the email to the wrong person because I typed the name wrong or something, and then it'd be like, oh, you screwed up again. It just felt like, Ugh. um, and so the idea that, that you, you can't anticipate the other person wants you to succeed and expects you to succeed, um, that really impacts how you function in the world. Um, yeah. And I think that happens in marriages where you're not certain how that, that, that you have that, um, a balance of love between you, that you're all part of that covenant. And mm -hmm. then you start, instead of acting, giving everything you're like tentative, can I give you, yeah. can I give you this? Because I don't know if I can trust you with this. And, and you I, misunderstand things. Yeah. Because there's always, there's always ambiguity in terms of motives and what people are doing. Um, and we're just talking about it between people that yeah. you don't always know exactly, rarely do you know exactly why someone did something. And sometimes it's really unclear. And that's certainly all true with God. Yeah. And so what, what makes it work in a marriage you know, we've both been married for quite a few years. You know what, what makes it work and what's utterly disastrous is if, if you begin to question the motivations and the intents, and if you start assuming the, the, the worst in those things, it's just, oh, it'll, cre it'll, it'll create problems when there weren't any. That's, yeah. Yes, it, yeah, it will. Uh, I, I think that's one of the, if you look at God, in that, within that framework, and you can say, I know that he loves me and there's never a doubt about it. Yeah. That makes it much easier to have that relationship. When you, what you said earlier, there's, no matter how abhorrent you are, he still loves you. He, yeah. he may want better for you, better than your current circumstances for you to make better choices, but it will not dilute his love for you. Yeah. And if you can accept that piece, that will change who you are. It will change. And you'll live up to those expectations. Yeah. And that's what Paul gets at when he's talking about, you know, put on your salvation, you know, work out. It's not to cre make yourself saved when he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's the idea of, hey, you have it. Be what you are, you know. And if, if you fall, that's okay. But understand you're you're still loved. You're still righteous by faith, you know? So that's, that changes everything. So I think, I think sometimes we don't, we really question that it's easy to do, but if we can get to that point of just believing that God really does love you and it is 
it is it is a righteousness that's not based on my actions but on Jesus's actions man that's that's just that's lightning in a bottle right there it it reminds me a bit of you know growing up catholic as i did that you know you could go into the confessional and you would oh well here's how i messed up and your sins are cleansed and whatever what have you um there was always a question in my mind like so basically it's transactional right i i can screw up i come back in they cleanse it i mean there was like a whole guild of assassins like in real life that was based on the idea that you know as long as you got your penance you could kind of go and do what you needed to do right right and and to me that just felt like kind of gross like well w wait a minute but I, I shouldn't knowing that i am loved shouldn't knowing that i am valued influence my actions so that i'm not going to be perfect but i'm darn well going to try because you know in, and i've said this before when you have your first boyfriend or girlfriend or something and you realize that somebody doesn't have to love you and chooses to love you that you want to do everything mom i'm going to help you with the dishes can i sweep the floor what can i do you know uh, yes that kind of thing that if we can accept that and internalize that love that god has for us then our actions will naturally flow out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think we get that, you know, I almost, when you were speaking to that on Sunday, I, I started to hear, you know, uh, works like, oh, if you do this, you should be doing this. But you weren't saying, come on, man, get it right. You were saying it's the natural outpouring of being loved is to respond right. in this way. And I think that's really important. It has to be. You know, because I almost preached on on First John four nineteen, which says, "We love because He first loved us," and it's you have to get that He did that as you put it, that total internalized, "I am loved, I am accepted, I am I am righteous," and and it, and there's been whole arguments over this. And if it's hopefully you guys can hear me when I say it, in a sense, it does not matter if I sin. It does, but it kind of doesn't, right? Because I'm still forgiven and I'm still loved and I'm still His. But having, but once you get to that spot of wow, you still, I'm still your child. It's what you said is like, what can I do for you, Jesus? What can I do? Because it's like me, who I am totally aware of how much I've sinned, how much I blow it. It's like you still love me. Okay, well let's do this. Yeah. It, it's a lot of work to get to that point. I think we're all somewhere in that continuum trying to get there. Um, for me, uh, I feel loved. Uh, I know there are people whose lives, um, they feel like they're abhorrent to God, and it's a bigger chasm to cross. And definitely that's, that's on my mind a lot, especially this time of year, as people are, are feeling apart because they have to be apart. So you, you know, you take the emotional distance and then you add the physical distance. I think it's, you know, it's where Christmas is just two days away. Wait, two? Yeah. Two days away. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough time of year for people and I hope they can hear this, that they are loved. Um, they are, yeah, they are valuable. No matter how much they've messed up. Yeah.
no matter how many times they went back to that sin, no matter how much they've messed up their life, messed up other people's lives. It's just like, I get it. But he knew all that. And he still said, I want you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, and that's where you get the whole issue with the kid, with your kids. It's like, it, it, you know, it wouldn't matter how much our, our sons blew it. They're still my son. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? I still love you. I might be grieved over the choices you've made. I may be grieved and saddened for the effects that you're going to have to go through and you have gone through, but come home, man. I just want to, I just want to give you a hug and say, let's go. I'm going to pick you up and let's go. I appreciate how that allows us to embrace the complexity of emotion that love is not the way we experience emotions is very complex. Um, and it is, um, mixed in with a whole other stuff. And if you haven't seen inside out that, uh, Pixar movie does a great job of kind of explaining the complexity of how those different things come together and, and doing it in mm-hmm. a way that's really palatable, digestible by most folks. Um, we're, yeah. we're coming up close on the time that we norm we try to set for ourselves. Um, I wanted to ask, um, well, I was going to follow up on something from last week, but I think we're, we don't have enough time. I do want to talk to you about your household growing up. And uh, I think that would be, maybe we can start the next one chatting sure. a little bit about that. And, uh, and um, whatever, do you know what your sermon's going to be on uh, this coming week? Just to, you know, I, I, I think what I'm going to do is I want to just do a little basic outline of some things that have to do about this, what is it? What is the second coming going to look like? We talked about mm. Advent this whole time, the first Advent, and I've been ke- continuing with the drumbeat that we remember both the first and anticipate the second. Well, let's talk about some things that are always a part of the second coming, because it's a very topic, very controversial, a lot of debate in Christianity on this. But there are a few points that all Orthodox Christians agree to that there are certain things that it's going to be this, it's going to have this, it's going to have this. We may argue a little bit about the order. We may have put more details in some things than another, but there are certain pieces that are always there. So let's look at some of those things. And uh, it's a good way, you know, <laughs> after this year, a lot of us are like, okay, Jesus, you can come back now. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Anytime we're ready, you know, let's go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's a nice way to end 2020 and to get into the next year going, uh, let's think about Jesus coming back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, uh, the trajectory, let's move, let's move up on that. That's right. All right. Then well, we'll get back into Mark after, after the new year's. So I'm going to wish everybody Merry Christmas as we're wrapping up and uh, I will see you before Christmas, I think Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and possibly tomorrow during our little radio drama. So, but regardless, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to your family and to all of you who happen to be listening. We love you. And you want to say goodbye, Brian? Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a great, great day and, uh, and a great Christmas if I don't see you before then. Amen. Take care. Mm-hmm.